Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our midweek Bible study. I want to encourage you to grab your holy Bibles. Meet me today in the book of the prophet Isaiah, and let's go to chapter 52 and begin today in verse 13. And let's talk about God's healing plan for your physical body. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We thank you that your word is the truth that helps us to live in victory. So, Father, help us to know our covenant rights and help us to just feast at the table that you have so lavishly prepared for us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your spirit to help us possess all of these wonderful promises. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And around the world today, we all say amen. Uh, the word amen is a word of agreement that basically says, so be it. I'm in on it. Hallelujah. And I, I believe we're all in on the promises of God. Um, I want to touch today on the subject of God's healing plan for your body. And I know that for some of you, you are familiar with the teaching of healing in the atonement package. But I also have realized over the years that as I have taught this, that there are still people in the body of Christ who are saved and love Jesus, who have never uh, been taught that Jesus included the provision for healing in their body when he went to Calvary. So many Christians know about God's power to redeem from sin, but it is amazing how many do not know that God has also paid the price through Jesus for healing and health in your body. We certainly need to talk about this because we all live in a physical body. So whether you're young or whether you're old, you know, there are those times you need the touch of God in your body and God can fix you up and allow you to live in divine health. Praise God. And I believe we're all stepping into it by his grace. Isaiah 52 verse 13. See, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. One of the main teaching thrust of the prophet Isaiah was to convey to the nation of Israel that the coming Messiah. Now remember what we're going to be reading was prophesied and written 800 years before the Messiah would ever show up. And it's amazing the, the prophetic accuracy and detail but Isaiah is letting the people of Israel know, God's people, that when the Messiah comes, a primary theme that he will carry will be that of the servant. Oh yes, he, he is the king, and he's going to rule and reign over the hearts of men, and eventually he'll rule and reign over the whole world. But the servant theme was very, very strong throughout the teaching of the prophet. He says, see, my servant shall deal prudently. And as you go through the book of Isaiah, you see a heavy emphasis on the servant aspect of the ministry of the Messiah. Verse 14, just as many were astonished at you, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. What does it mean when Isaiah was prophesying about the Messiah that his visage, his appearance was so marred more than any man? Well, picturing Christ on the cross, you have to understand everything that he went through. And, you know, he was scourged. He was beaten. They hit him over the head with uh, rods. They punched him in the face. They ripped his beard out and, you know, stuck the crown of thorns on him. So when you're looking at him on the cross, you're looking at a person who from our, our lingo, we could say, has had the pulp completely beaten out of him. You're looking at a man that's just been completely beaten to pieces. And so his, his visage, his appearance was marred. He's bathed in blood. There's blood all over the place. 
and uh, you know the pain, the level of excruciating agony. It's hard to convey, and it gets it gets even more detailed. Listen to this, and his form more than the sons of men. His form was marred. His visage, his appearance, but also something about his form while Jesus hung on that cross began to look unworldly. Something about him began to look so distorted and so could we almost use the word unhuman that when people looked at him, Isaiah said his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. What's going on? Well, the physical trauma, yes, but more than that. You have to understand that according to the teachings of the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that although Jesus was not a sinner, yet he became sin for us. Where? On, on the cross at Calvary. I want to say it again. Although Jesus was not a sinner, he never sinned. So although he was not a sinner, yet he became sin for us. Woo! How about that? Mm, there was an exchange at Calvary. Our sin, our filth, our shame all went on Christ. Now, the reason for this, as Paul said, was because there could be the exchange where we could receive his righteousness and become the righteousness of God in him. So really as a believer, our soul identity is wrapped up in Christ because he is our righteousness. Praise the Lord. But I tell you on that cross, this, this went way beyond the physical things they did to inflict, uh, you know, injury and agony upon his physical body. One man had all of the sins of humanity, not just in his generation, but in every previous generation and every generation afterwards, including ours and you know, our, our children and grandchildren, all of the sins of humanity were put on a sinless man at one time. And don't tell me that you can hang and smile. You cannot hang on a cross and smile, not only with the physical agony, but with the spiritual agony. What did it mean for Jesus? It meant for the first time in all of eternity, separation, separation from God. Sin brings separation from God. So that's why Jesus was having such a hard time in the garden of Gethsemane. He knew he knew physically he was going to suffer, but he could look past that. But this thing of becoming sin, oh, that was the cup that he was dreading to drink. And he, he basically was trying to talk it over with the father in prayer in the garden of Gethsemane. Basically father, is there any other way that this can be done? What was he con being concerned about becoming filthy? What would be the result of that separation for the first time in eternity from the son, no longer having that relationship with the father for Christ. It was unthinkable. He, he didn't know how he was going to handle it. And he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, you've forsaken me. Why? Because our sins came on him. And for the viewers to see Christ on the cross, you, you couldn't put it in the words because you saw more than a physically suffering man. You saw a man who had funneled on him all of the sins of the world, and he became sin. He became absolute utter filth on that cross. I, I had a vision one time when I saw the Lord on the cross, I, I, I couldn't put it in the words. I, I've never seen a person look more defiled. Every sin, every, how can we say it? Not just the sins of uh, maybe exaggerating. Of course, that's still lying. We shouldn't do that. Maybe not the sins of stealing the piece of bubble gum, although that's still wrong. It's theft. But could we even say the nasty sins, the sins that are done in secret that nobody would want anybody to know, the, the heinous crimes, the evil things, the, the things that are done, the perversion, all of that, plus everything else, all of it went on Christ, murder, rape, every form of perversion, everything went on him. And he looked, he looked, um, he looked almost uh, like something you couldn't even describe the prophet struggled to describe it. 
And that, that's, how, that's how dirty he became. He became sin for us. We need to be thankful for what Jesus went through. I don't, I don't think we'll ever be able to comprehend it, but we certainly can try to appreciate it and thank him for what he has accomplished. Let's move into chapter 53. Considered by many to be the greatest messianic prophecy about the coming Messiah, that along with Psalm 22 would be the two greatest messianic chapters in the Old Covenant. Now, verse 1, Isaiah 53, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm of the Lord is the strength of God, the power of God manifested. Verse 2, for he, this would be Jesus, grew up before him, that would be the Father watching, as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. Now listen to this about Jesus. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I, I can't wait to see Jesus one day in heaven. I, I would just like to know what he looks like. I, I know it's not really that important. It's more about his, you know, his essence, uh, you know, his character, his nature. But I would still like to know physically what he looked like. Well, if you would like to have a pretty good idea, a good description, here it comes. He has no form or majesty that we should look upon him nor appearance that we should desire him. Now, the Lord is not ugly. He's not, you know, uh, he's not ugly. But the Lord is just a normal person. He's not, you know, six foot seven, you know, chiseled jaw, you know, uh, broad shoulders with, you know, rippling muscles and all. No, he's not like that. Oh, Pastor Stephen, he was a carpenter. He had big muscles. Uh, he was a carpenter, but that's not like that's going to turn you into a bodybuilder, you know. So, uh, no, he was a normal-looking guy. This is not somebody that you would say, ah, yep, he looks like a king. Look at look at the way he walks. Look at the way his gait is and his stride. No, 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 it's, it's nothing like that about him. He has no form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should desire him. You're talking about a guy that could just slip into the crowd and disappear. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, of course, the glory, the anointing that was on him was without limit. But if you just want to look at the physical aspect, which many people are curious about, and there will come a day where you will see him eye to eye, you will, you will realize, hey, Jesus is very... Uh, is very normal. Very, uh, you know, th this is this is pretty cool. So I think it's very interesting. Uh, I have had visitations from the Lord where I've seen Jesus in visions, where He has come to me in visions, or He's allowed me to see Him doing certain things in visions, and He just looks like a normal guy, a very a very normal person. And so, you know, I've seen a lot of paintings, but a lot of times when these artists try to paint Jesus, the catch is is that they have never seen Him in a vision. And so they are trying to draw from their imagination, basically what they think he looks like. And so that uh, those ideas sometimes are uh, created from a romanticized view of what they think Christ is like. And some of them, of course, some of the painters think he was a wimp. So they paint, they paint him as this, you know, this like, I, I, I don't know, you know, just really um, d definitely not a masculine type guy and others, um, Maybe they go too too far, and then they show him as this rough, you know, you know, almost like John the Baptist type guy, and and uh, uh, that's not really correct either. So uh, he's just a normal guy, a very normal guy, and uh, it's not like he had this smile that would knock you out. It's not like he has these eyes that were very handsome and mysterious. No, he's just a normal looking guy. Praise the Lord, Hallelujah. So uh, from a human perspective where humans want their leaders to have a certain look, project a certain image of command and control. Well, physically, he didn't have those particular attributes. And so uh, he, he was misunderstood because of that. Remember, the Israelites, they loved Saul because Saul was hidden shoulders above any other man. And he, he had the look that, you know, they wanted. They say, oh, Saul, you'll make a great king. Not only that, we can put you on the front of uh, the new magazine. We'll call it uh, the kingly magazine. And we'll, we'll put you on the front. You, look, you just look like a king. Well, the Lord looks at the heart. That's the big difference with Jesus. 
Verse 3, he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Verse 4, let's talk about verse 4 today. Surely, in other words, absolutely, this is a truth. Surely, he has borne our illnesses and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. I want us today to dig into verse 4 a little bit deeper because some of the translations that we have, and there's many good translations, they, um, they, they kind of, they just almost water, water down what is really here in the original Hebrew. And I want to take a moment to bring out to and share with you what Isaiah 53 verse 4 actually says. Are you ready for this today? Because I want you to know without a doubt, as it says, surely I want you to know without a doubt that Christ has taken care of your sickness and disease and that by putting your faith and trust in, in him as your healer, you can receive healing for your body. Isaiah 53, 4, Christian Standard Bible says, yet he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. Dr. Isaac Leeser, a renowned scholar of the Hebrew text, translates Isaiah 53 verse 4 as our diseases did he bear himself and our pains he carried. By the way, you can get a Hebrew lexicon and you can open it up and look at it yourself. You could also check it online and you'll see that this is talking about the bearing, the carrying of our diseases and sicknesses and also that the Lord carried our pains. Holman Christian Standard Bible, and I love the Holman translation. It is excellent. It says, uh, and by the way, that's a really good Bible version. If you don't have that version in your library, it would be very handy to have that. It says, yet he himself bore our sicknesses, and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. N.E.T. Bible, but he lifted up our illnesses, he carried our pain, even though we thought he was being punished, attacked by God, and afflicted for something he had done. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mm. New Heart English Bible. Surely he bore our diseases and took our pains, yet we considered him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. JPS Tanakh edition 1917 says, surely our diseases he did bear and our pains he carried, whereas we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Jubilee Bible, surely he has borne our sicknesses and suffered our pain. King James Bible, 2000 edition, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That would be our sicknesses and our physical pains. Dewey Rames Bible translation. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Darby Bible translation. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. English Revised Version. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. World English Bible. Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our suffering. Yet we considered him plagued, struck by God, and afflicted. Young's Literal Translation. Surely our sicknesses he hath borne, and our pains he hath carried them. And we... We have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God, and afflicted. Amazing. Praise God. So surely he has borne or carried our diseases, and he has carried our pains. Woo! Praise the Lord. Now, verse 5 deals with the sin problem, 
that Jesus brought the remedy for at Calvary. Verse 4, which we just read, deals with the problem of sickness and disease and physical pain in your body. My friends, you need to know that what Jesus did for you at Calvary is a package deal. This is more than just having your sins forgiven and the receiving of eternal life. Although if that were all, I I wouldn't complain. But if there's more on the table, my friends, we should certainly receive it. And there is a lot more on the table. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. See, transgressions and sins. He was bruised for our iniquities. Okay, transgressions, sins, iniquities. All of these things were put on him at Calvary. Verse 4 says, sicknesses, diseases, pains were put on him at Calvary. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, or a better translation, the punishment required for our peace and well-being fell on him, and by his stripes we are healed. By his stripes we are healed. Woo! Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My friends, just lift your hands and thank God for healing in your body. Thank God for forgiveness of sins. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. By his stripes we are healed. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's talking about uh, spiritual healing. No, it's not. It can't be. Pastor Stephen, how do you know? Well, because he has talked about physical healing. Then he has talked about the forgiveness of sins. And then he says, by his stripes, you are healed. And then he goes directly into divine healing in the gospel of Matthew. I want you to see this. This would be Matthew chapter eight. And let's go to verse 14. It says, now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with the fever. Okay, so Peter's house. We know that Peter was married. It mentions his wife. And so now we see Peter's mother-in-law. Sure is nice to know scripturally and biblically that ministers can be married. Pastor Stephen, we require all of our priests to be single because priests should not be married. That is a man-made tradition, and it's not a good idea. (laughs) Praise the Lord. We know that Peter was married. The Bible, God's holy word, tells you that he was, and also church history actually tells us that all of the other apostles, the other 11, were also married as well. Verse 15, so he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. Verse 16, when evening had come, they brought to him, that would be Jesus, many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. Verse 17, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Well, where did Isaiah the prophet speak this at? Isaiah 53, 4. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So when Isaiah is talking about by his stripes, you were healed right here in this verse, this references that to physical healing. Woo. Praise the Lord. He himself took our infirmities and carried our sicknesses. What is the difference between infirmities and sicknesses? An infirmity and and a sickness are both in the same stream of sickness, but the difference with an infirmity is that it can be also associated with fatigue, lack of energy, lack of strength. Sometimes also tied into that would be paralysis and also what we would know as bedridden conditions. You're just so weak you can't get out of bed. That's where you have infirmities. So there are other types of sicknesses where you can be sick, 
but you still have energy. You can still function, but there's other sicknesses where you're just, you're just physically wiped out. So you have an infirmity. Praise the Lord. You need to know that Jesus himself took our infirmities. If he took them, why would you want to take them? If he bore them, if he bore our sicknesses, which it says he did, if he bore our sicknesses, if he carried them, then why wouldn't any Christian want to carry them? When Christ carried them for us, do we also want to carry our sins? Do we think that we can handle our sins? Lord, I can handle my sins. I'll carry my sins. That's one thing you never want to carry. You want to repent of your sins and let Jesus do what only he can do. Bear the sins, bear the sins. We can't bear them, but look, he's not only the sin bearer. He's all the, he's also the sickness and disease and infirmity bearer. Woo. You have no right to try to bear it yourself. Cast those things over on the Lord. Let him carry them and receive the healing that he has accomplished for you and me at Calvary. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So we have a witness here in the new Testament that Isaiah 53 verse four is referring to healing because here is Jesus going around healing the sick. Woo. Praise God. You got to love it. Healing is in the covenant. Healing is in the package that Christ purchased for us at Calvary through his shed blood. When he said it is finished, he meant it. It's done. Anything and everything that you need for wholeness, for well-being, for peace was accomplished for you and me there on the cross at Calvary. Nothing was left out. That's what the word peace means. It means shalom in the Hebrew, translated literally, nothing missing, nothing broken in your whole life. Praise God. Praise God. So this is something that we have to receive. And although these are basic principles that are found in the word, it is stunning. It is stunning how many people that are in the church are not aware of this. Recently, I sat down in the house with a very precious Christian woman who is in her 70s, who has been raised in church all of her life, but is very sick with cancer. I came to her house and I shared the word of God with her. I opened the Bible up to Isaiah 53 and read Isaiah 53 to her, particularly verse four. And she was stunned. She said, I've been in church all my life and I've never ever heard that taught before. Oh, Pastor Steve, everybody knows this. No, no, you'd be shocked. You'd be shocked. Praise God. We need to know these things. We need to understand the basic tenets of the faith. Praise God. And then I took this precious lady, who is a very brilliant lady, very smart lady. I took her over to Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, and I read it to her and showed it to her and read it out loud. I finished up with verse 16. It says, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken out by Isaiah, the prophet right there in Isaiah 53, verse four saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And I asked her a point blank question. If Jesus took your infirmities and he carried your sicknesses, why do you need to bear them and carry them? And the light came on. And the light came on. I believe it's coming on for some of you right now. Praise God. You don't have to be sick. Woo, glory to God. You don't have to be poor. That's a different subject. You don't have to be confused. That's a different subject. You don't have to be defeated. That's a different subject. But today, you don't have to be sick. Pastor Stephen, God, God put this on me to teach me a lesson. Are, are we trying to create a new theology? You might, if, if that's a new theology, we might as well tear Romans 8, 17 out of the Bible because it says that God put it on Jesus. So if God put it on Jesus, 
all of it on Jesus, all of our sins on Jesus, all of our sicknesses and diseases on Jesus, how can you say that God put it on you? Are you a greater burden bearer than Christ? Are you, are, is your next ambition to be to carry the sins of the world? Well, I can't do that. Neither can you carry your own sicknesses and diseases. Only Christ was worthy to do that. By the way, the only sinless sacrifice. He was not a sinner, but he did become sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Woo! Praise the Lord. This is all about what Jesus has done. All we have to do is partake of it by faith. There are many people that love Jesus. They know him as their savior, but they have never known him as their healer. But it's there. It is there and it is available to be received. Praise God. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Praise the Lord. Let's get another witness. If we get another one in the new covenant, we've got doctrine. We have a foundation to build theology on. First Peter chapter two, verse, verse 21. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, not suffering sickness and disease, not suffering something that he redeemed you from, not something that he bore for you so that you don't have to carry it, but suffering the persecutions of misunderstanding, suffering the persecutions of living right and being ridiculed by those who want to live in darkness and they'll just persecute anybody that doesn't want to agree with them. You'll have enough of that. You, you don't need any other uh, types of suffering that you are not, you're not required to carry. You'll have enough of the other types of things without having to try to carry something that you're never designed by God to carry in the first place. Verse 22, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Well, where is that said from? Isaiah chapter 53, verse 9. Isaiah 53, the greatest messianic prophecy in Scripture, written 800 years before Christ ever showed up. And Isaiah prophesied that he would be one who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. Oh, when he was on that cross, they reviled him. They, they, re, they insulted him. Come down from that cross. If you're the son of God, come down right now. We'll believe you. But he did not revile them back. He did not say, you just watch and see. Three days from now, I'm coming back and I'm going to get every single one of you. He didn't do that, did he? No deceit was found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. I'm coming back to get you all, every single one of you. No, he, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself, now watch this, verse 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. The, the tree is the cross. He bore our sins in his own body, in his own body. All of our sins were put on his body. He never sinned, but he, he became sin on that cross, and his form became like something never seen before. So much sin on him. It's hard to put in words what his appearance looked like, marred by sin who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. You and I cannot bear our sins. He bore them for us that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes, by whose stripes, the stripes of Christ when they plowed his back and opened up his back with that scourge those deep cuts within his back by those stripes, we were healed. 
by his stripes we were healed. See, all of your sickness, diseases, infirmities placed on the back of Jesus into those stripes and see him carry that for you and me as he went to the cross and hung on the cross and say, Jesus, I don't have to be sick because by your stripes, I was healed. I was healed in the eyes of God, the father, it's a done deal in the eyes of God, the father, it is finished. There is nothing more for Jesus to do. There's nothing more he can do. He laid his life down. He died. There's nothing further that he could give to redeem us back to God and to make atonement, which had a package deal that included healing for our bodies. Well, Pastor Stephen, eventually we're all going to die. Well, yeah, but you don't have to die sick. Just live your life out. And when it's time to go home to be with the Lord, just leave, just die. You don't have to be sick to die. You just live your life out and you die. <laughs> you can be healthy, but your time's up. You just lay down, go to sleep. Next thing you know, you're in heaven. Praise the Lord. And there's been quite a few saints who went home that way. Nothing wrong with their bodies. It was just time to go home. They lived their life out, had a good life, and, you know, laid, laid down with sleep. Next thing they knew, they were in heaven. Praise the Lord. But this is a part of the package that Jesus paid the ultimate price with his own life. This is part of the package. It is a package deal. It's more than just forgiveness of transgressions and sins and iniquities, but it's also our sicknesses and diseases, infirmities, all of that taken care of as well. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Now, by whose stripes you were healed, you were healed. Pastor Stephen, how do I tie into this? How do I make this a reality in my life so that I'm not sick anymore? Well, how did you tie into it to get, to get your sin problem fixed? Well, you saw in scripture that Jesus paid the price for your sins, that he died on the cross, that he, that he bore your transgressions, your iniquities, all of your sins were placed on him at Calvary. And you saw it, it, you saw it in the word of God laid out and you believed it. You put your faith and trust in him as savior and you received forgiveness of sins and you received eternal life. And th the next thing you knew you were born again, praise the Lord. That's the same way it works for receiving healing. You see, you, you see Christ as your savior. Now you see him as your healer. You see the solution to your sickness and disease in the body of Christ through his bearing the sickness and disease. You see that it's an accomplished act, that it is finished, that it is done, that you were healed. Okay, so now you put your faith and trust in Christ as your healer, and you say, Jesus, since you bore it, I don't have to carry it. So I receive you as my healer. I receive healing into my body now now and you just lay hands on that part of your body whatever it might be praise God and you trust God for that word to be worked in your life praise the Lord I know what you're thinking I already know what you're thinking how long does it take how long does it take salvation as you call upon the Lord is instantaneous the healing can be instantaneous, but it can take the faith. It can take faith. See, when you first heard about Jesus as Savior, maybe you didn't believe it. Maybe you had to hear it several times. I, I grew up in church, so I heard it regularly, but I don't know how many times I actually heard it until I finally responded. So it's the same thing as Christ is your healer. You keep hearing it, and you keep hearing specific verses about healing. And then it just kicks in and you're like, Jesus, you are my healer. I know it. And the next day, you know, the sickness and disease is gone. Whatever it might be, it's just gone. It's just gone. How long does that take? I would, I would present to you that it takes 
as long as it takes for you to get into a position with God and his word where your heart is saturated with faith. Praise God. How long, Pastor Stephen? I'll answer that with the question. How much TV did you watch last night before going to sleep? Do you see where I'm going? When your heart is saturated with healing scriptures and you meditate on these scriptures to a point that you know healing is a done deal and you're, you're just meditating on them and you're, I mean, you're, you're in this on a constant basis, way more than you are in television. There's nothing wrong with watching some television, but if you're saturated with gun smoke, if you're saturated with football, if you're saturated with baseball, if you're saturated with sitcoms, if you're saturated with movies, then how is this supposed to have room to get in there and kick in the gear? Get saturated with this, okay? And just let the other stuff go. And get saturated with the healing word of God, and then it just comes. It just comes. It just comes. And, you know, there have been things in my body where I was sick. And then by getting into the word, standing on the word, I was healed. But then as time would go on, I would need another touch from God's, uh, from God's healing power. And I would begin to get back into the word, work it again. And then that healing anointing would touch me again, healing come back into my body. But then maybe 10, 15 years go by again. And I'm like, Lord, you know, I've gotten older. And for whatever reason, that area of my body needs another touch. I know where to go. I know where the medicine cabinet is at. The medicine cabinet is Isaiah 53, verse 4, Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, and verse 24. And I just go there and take my medicine. Praise the Lord. And I'm, I'm just staying in the Word. Praise God. I had a situation with my eyes. I wear glasses right now. I wear glasses. Pastor Stephen, why do you wear glasses? Because I can't see that well without them. <laughs> and there was a point where... The glasses, you know, if I, if I took you back 25 years ago into a time machine and showed you the glasses I used to wear, that they were, the lenses were probably, I'm not exaggerating, they were probably that thick. I was, I didn't take a test, but if I had taken a test, I probably would have been, I probably would have been uh, shown to be legally blind. And so I had to get some glasses. Uh, and I, I actually remember when I had to renew my driver's license well, what about 30 years ago, I had to renew my driver's license. And when I, I failed that so bad that the instructor at the uh, department of motor vehicles actually got mad at me. She said, she said, how in the world can you even see where you're going down the road? <laughs> she said, you can't even read the large print. I said, well, somehow I just find my way down the road, but it was very difficult. I was even a taxi driver. Can you imagine that? Boy, I, I mean, I'm the taxi driver and it was very difficult. I had to pull right underneath sign somewhere to try to read the sign. Sometimes people in the back say, wait, what are you doing? Well, I really, what I'm trying to do is see what street I'm on. Cause you know, because I could hardly make out the signs. I'd, I'd say, well, I'm just checking something out here, but it was difficult. It was difficult. So I got me some glasses. I got me some glasses and uh, began to get into the word, began to get into the word. And I just began to study all the scriptures on healing, particularly about eyes and the word just started coming in, started coming in, began to meditate on it. And I did that for, it took about two years. That's because I wasn't saturated, but I still kept receiving it. But I remember one time and I was, I went to go take a trip and, um, I, it was a long trip and I had, I pulled over at a, at a rest area. And as I came back from the rest area to my car that was parked, I took my glasses off and sat on the hood of the car and just kind of, you know, you know, relax my eyes and, uh, you know, got ready for another long drive, got back into the car, going down the freeway, the interstate uh, that goes to California, Interstate I, and, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe drove for about 20, 25 minutes, then, then it hit me. Wait a minute, where are my glasses? I had left them on the hood of my car, and obviously they had blown off somewhere along the side of the road, impossible to go back and try to find something like that. So I just kept on going. Ah, uh, but I, I arrived in California, moved there. Uh, within a few weeks, I thought, you know what? I'm living here. I need to get a California DMV. 
uh, a license. I need to get my uh, license for the state. So I go into the DMV knowing I have no glasses and, um, you know, but at this point I'd been, I'd been into the word for about two years. Remember, this is not getting saturated. You get saturated, it'll come faster. And I stood before, uh, the test for the driver's license. And she said, uh, the person said, read these lines. And I just, the first lines just read everything flawlessly, perfectly. And, uh, and kept on reading And the person, the person giving the test said, you can stop you've already passed the visual test. You know, I'd already passed the driving test too. She said, you're, you're good to go. But you know what? I walked back almost as far as I could. I think, you know, I kept walking back until there was a wall and I could still read all the lines. And she said, you, she said, you're reading it all accurately, but she said, you've already passed. You don't, you don't have to read anymore. But I was just delighting in how God had given me Hawkeye vision. I, he literally took me from a place of uh, either borderline or right on the edge of legal blindness to going to a realm of Hawkeye vision. And I walked in that for about 10 years. I mean, phenomenal eyesight, but you know, you get older and sometimes you might need another touch from the Lord. And that's where I'm at right now. So I'm, I'm working on this too. Why? Because healing for my eyes is in that covenant package. And so I'm just, uh, I'm going back to the basics. I believe that we all need to revisit the basics because these are things that belong to us. And so as we get into the, uh, into the word and we get into the covenant blessings, you know what, this is how you take it saturation, just back into the word, back into the word. I think for myself, one of the reasons why I haven't really pushed it, uh, like I used to is because with the glasses I've got now, uh, I can see, I can see, t- uh, perfect 2020 vision. Uh, even, even the thick glasses I got years back, uh, it, it still was not, it wasn't helping very much. My eyes were so bad. But today I'm, I'm doing pretty good. So it's not like I really pu- I push it. I, I've got 2020 long as I wear these when I drive and, and so forth and things like that. So, you know, it's not like I've really got to push to get back because I'm going, I'm, I'm going, I'm going blind. <laughs> so I don't have that. I don't have that situation, but would I like to walk around with 2020 vision or greater without glasses? Sure. Sure. And uh, that's why I'm jumping back into the word, taking hold of the uh, promises of God concerning healing. But I know that for some of you, you have situations where there's also pain, infirmity, and fatigue, and uh, you, you need a touch. And some of those things can be, even in a sense, almost unbearable. You, you are, you're juiced up all the time on heavy, heavy meds. You don't want to have to live like that. This, this is some, these are, these are conditions that are way beyond glasses. So for all of us, if we have any types of these conditions, we need to jump back into the word and trust God to perform his word in our lives because it's already yes and amen, but we need to go back in there and just begin to meditate and get into that place of saturation. And we'll all see each other in very, very blessed conditions. In the meantime, in the interim, until that manifestation comes, you know, use the aids that are necessary to live your life comfortably and do what the doctor would instruct you to do. And for myself, I wear my glasses so that I can see fine. But when the time comes when I don't need them again, because I've been through this routine before, I know when to take them off. And when I can take them off and I've got the perfect vision, I can go back and retake my test. And then it won't show on my license that I need glasses. Praise God. But until then, it's nothing wrong with standing in the word, working the word till you get where you want to be. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Isn't the Lord good today? Praise God. Father, I pray for your people that the promises of your word concerning healing be something that your people take a hold, take hold of like a pit bull that they just won't let go. Thank you, Father. May we all have beautiful testimonies of how you have healed our bodies, even if you have to heal them again because... (laughs) because of the conditions of, the, of life and of the world. And maybe we just need another touch for some, maybe they need a whole overhaul, but Oh God, you can certainly do it and you want to do it. And you've actually technically already done it. So let us tie in with the strength of your word and step into these blessings. We thank you father in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Now let's take communion 
and celebrate, as the Apostle Paul said, the Lord's death. Let us be remindful, uh, mindful of his death, because it's through his death at Calvary that all that we now have access to was accomplished. So please, along with me and many other believers around the world, grab some unleavened bread, grab some grape juice. Heavenly Father, we now consecrate the bread, the juice, and set it apart as holy. This is now the flesh and blood of Jesus, and we receive it as that. Father, thank you for the body of our Lord. Thank you that by his stripes we were healed. We believe it. Matthew, the gospel writer, believed it, and Jesus preached it and evidenced it by healing the sick. Father, we thank you for healing in the atonement. In Jesus' name, we take our healing by faith. Let's receive the Lord's body. Thank you, Father, for Isaiah 53, verse 5 that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the punishment required for our peace and well-being fell on him. We thank you, Father God, that by the blood of Jesus, we have forgiveness of all of our sins. Thank you, Father God, we receive it with joy and we receive everything else that he purchased for us at Calvary as well. Unashamedly, and without being bashful, we take it with great joy and thanksgiving. Father, thank you for Jesus. We receive his holy blood now. Amen. Let's drink. Praise the Lord. Praise God. My friends, let's never drift from the basic truths of God's word. Healing is ours. So by faith, let's take it. May you walk in divine health. God bless you. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.